0: on parables, um, we came across, I came, came across a, a statement that he had read, and it said the finger of God, and so Sean has read earlier that by the finger of God, it was showing that the kingdom was upon them, and so tonight we're going to take a look at that, that phrase, the finger of God, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, because it was used in the Old Testament, and we're going to, we're going to see it being used in the New Testament, and so tonight we're going to look at, like I said, the finger of God. And first, we'll take a look at the Old Testament. We're going to take a look at Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron. And this is when they're in that Egyptian captivity, and they're trying to free God's people. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 19, then the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And so the magicians are saying, the things that they're doing, this is the finger of God coming upon us. Well, what had just happened? What had just happened? In verse 15 of Exodus 8, But when the Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto him as the Lord had said. And so they had given him some relief. They had given him and his people some relief. Uh, they, respite was relief. But what was it from? In Exodus chapter eight, verse six, and Aaron stretched out his hands over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And so they had just had that plague of the frogs. The frogs were everywhere. And so Moses had given them re- re- relief from that because he, he made um, a uh, request of God to, to retract the frogs. And so they were getting relief. Now God is sending another plague on them. In Exodus chapter 8 verses 16 and 17 and the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth. And it became lice in men, and in beasts, and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And so God had, had removed the frogs and The Pharaoh was going to let his people go, but he always hardened his heart, and he wouldn't let them go. So God sent him another plague, and he sent him these lice. So why would the magicians say that this is a finger of God, but not the former plague of the frogs? In Exodus chapter 8, verse 18, And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there was lice upon man and upon beast. And so, this is the first instant that we're reading where those those magicians and those sorcerers were not able to duplicate what God had sent upon them. Whether they were doing it through trickery, the Bible doesn't really say, but they were not able to do this. And so, when they were not able to produce the lights, they said, This is the figure of God come before. And so, they were not able to fake their way through this plague as they had done earlier. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 7. And the magicians did so with their enhancements, enhancements, talking about the frogs, and brought up frogs upon the land of the earth. And so they were able to do the frogs. Going back to Exodus chapter 7, verses 20 through 22. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. All the waters that were in the river were turned to blood, and the fish that were in the river died, and the river stank. And the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them, as the Lord had said. And so here we can see that they are duplicating, turning water into blood. And then in Exodus chapter 7, verses 10 through 12, And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded, And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in the like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And so it says that they were able to produce uh, serpents out of these rods, and so we can see that each plague up until the lights, that the, the magicians were able to duplicate it. But when they weren't able to duplicate it, they were already saying there's someone higher than us. They were already saying that there was something. After the light, the magicians did not try to equal God anymore. And so one plague caused the magicians to be absent from the presence of Moses. And that was when they were sent with those boils. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 11, And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the uh, the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And so, God's plagues it, it started out it was it was affecting all the land, but then His plagues became more towards the Egyptians. It it wasn't, He had separated His people from the plagues. And and I was doing some research, but I didn't print out the chart. But every plague that God sent on the Egyptians was against their gods. And so every one of those plagues, except for the 10th plague, the 10th plague was because they killed the firstborn. They were killing the boys, the, the men, babies, just as they had tried to kill Moses. And so God, out of, out of his anger towards the Egyptians, he, he, he sent that plague upon them, and their firstborn died of man and beast. But God was showing that he was the true God, that he was better than any of the gods that they were serving in Egypt. And so every time that he did a plague, it was going against their gods. God reveals what he wants out of the Egyptians. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 5, And Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring uh, bring out the children of Israel from among them. And so when he's sending out these plagues, it's to confirm who God says he is. He is I Am. How is he going to do this? In Exodus chapter 7 verse 3, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply what? My signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And says the plagues, the finger of God was to prove that he was the Lord. That he was better than any of those Egyptian gods that they were worshiping. It is thought that the plagues 1 through 9 were against the gods of Egypt. And the last plague was because the Egyptians killed all male babies of the Israelites. And then you have the law of Moses. The law of Moses. It too was written by the finger of God. In Exodus chapter 31 verse 18. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him unto Mount Sinai. Two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. And so the commandments, the ten commandments were written by the finger of God. In Exodus 24 verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come to me in the mount and be there. And I will give thee tables of stones and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And so, again, we're, we're seeing that these are tables of stones that God that wrote. It was a law. It was the commandments, those ten commandments that he wrote on the stones. And then the Exodus chapter 32, verses 15 and 16. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hands. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were what? The work of God. And the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. And so it was by the works of God. It was by that miraculous power. It was by the finger of God that he wrote that law. In Exodus 34, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew these two tables of stone like unto the first. Well, Moses had come down from the mount when he had received the law, and he had seen all that mischief that the people were worshiping, that that golden calf. And so Moses, out of anger, he cast the law on the ground, and he broke them into pieces. And so now when he's coming back, the Lord said he wanted him to hew. See, the first time, God made the stones. But this time, he's telling Moses to hew two tables of stone like unto the first. And he says, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 4 and he wrote on the tables according to the first writing the ten commandments so we know what was written on those tablets it was the ten commandments which the Lord spake unto you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly and the Lord gave them unto me Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 10 and the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with what the finger of God and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, and in the day of the assembly. And so we, here we can see that the finger of God was, was to show who he was to the Egyptians. So through those miraculous powers, plagues that he was sending on them, he was showing who he was. And then it's by the, the finger of God that they were given the Ten Commandments. He had chosen his people, and he had chosen the nation of Israel. The old law was written by the finger of God on the stone tablets. And then we read about fingers. We read about fingers, which uh, this is a, uh, it doesn't say finger of God, but in Daniel chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw that part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one another. And so here's the king, and he's seeing this hand right on the wall, and he cannot control the knee shaking. His knees are shaking, and he's not able to control his movements. This is King Belshazzar. He's seeking help. In Daniel chapter 5, verse 7, the king cried out aloud to bring in the astrologers the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. So just as in in those days in Egypt when they brought in those magicians, he's asking for his magicians. He's asking for his wise men. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And so here we can see scarlet. Uh, They were going to be clothed with scarlet and they were going to have a chain of gold third ruler in the kingdom, but they were unable to help. They were unable to help. Daniel chapter 5 verse 8, Then came in all the wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make to the king the interpretation thereof. And so they were not able to translate. They were not able to make interpretation to the king because they were not true um, wise men. Daniel chapter 5 verses 10 through 12, Now the queen, by reasons of words of the kings and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And so she's referring to Daniel, because Daniel had interpreted dreams before. Nebuchadnezzar, he had had, um, gave him the interpretation of many dreams. And so in the days of Thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of God's, was found in him, who the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, for as much as the excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts, were found in this same Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Bel- Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. And so God had used Daniel before to give the interpretation of the dreams, to let Nebuchadnezzar know that he was going to lose his kingdom, that he was going to be conquered by the Medo-Persian kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. But Daniel was not doing it because he wanted any, any rewards. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he, should be, uh, he would slew and whom he would keep alive and whom he would he set up and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, when Nebuchadnezzar, he was proud. He was, he was saying that he was doing everything. And his mind hardened in pride. He was disposed from his kingly throne and he took his glory from him. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he had lost that great fame. God put Nebuchadnezzar in power. And when the king thought too highly of himself, God humbled him and took the throne from him. How did he do this? In Daniel chapter 5 verse 21. And he was driven from the sons of men. This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. And his heart was made like what? The beast. And his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Until he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men. And that he appointed over <laughs> it whosoever he will. And so. His son Belsh- uh, Belshazzar did not learn from his father's mistake. And so. He is he is being given pretty much um, by the writing. He's being condemned by God. He's being condemned by the writing on the wall. Daniel chapter five verse twenty two. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thine heart. Thou knowest uh, thou though thou knewest all this, and so he knew what had happened to his father. But he still lifted himself up. He he thought he was better. Well, what did he do? In Daniel chapter 5, verse 23, But has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house. So they had brought those vessels when they took them out of Jerusalem. They had taken the the holy vessels out of the temple of God. And he says, You brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of what? Silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And that God in whose hand thy breath is, and who are all thy ways, hath thou not glorified. And so here they have taken those holy um, uh, cups and stuff, and they have defiled those they are drinking wine in them and they are praising not the God of heaven, but they are praising those false gods. Just as they had done in Egypt, they were praising those false gods. And so God's given him, a, a condem, uh, he's condemning Belshazzar with the writing on the wall. Daniel chapter 5, verse 24. Then was the part of the hand sent from him and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many tekel of Sharon. And so... Daniel five twenty six. He says, "This is the interpretation of the thing, meaning God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it." And so He's telling him, His rule will come to an end. Then in Daniel chapter five verse twenty uh, seven, He says, Tekel, thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting." And so He was He was put on that scale and He was not found righteous. His sins were against the great uh, were were great against God. Daniel chapter five verse twenty-eight and Peres, thy kingdom is divided and given to who? The Medes and the Persians. And so the the Babylonians were going to be conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And when would this happen? In Daniel chapter five verse thirty and thirty-one. And that night, the same night, was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain, and Darius the Median, uh, the Mede, I'm going to call him Mede, took the kingdom. Being about three score and two two years old, and so Belshazzar, his 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 life, he was he was slain. His kingdom had come to an end, and now the king, uh, the Babylonians are in. uh, They're going to be captured by the the Medes. The judgment came the same night. This time, the finger of God was used to condemn the unrighteous. So now we'll take a look at the New Testament. The New Testament, as Sean had read earlier. Uh, Jesus, he talked about the finger of God. In Luke chapter 11, verse 20, But if I, with the finger of a God, this is Jesus speaking, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so here they were trying to say that he was doing the power by the devil, that he was casting out devils devils because he was working for the devil. Well, what is the finger of God that Jesus is referring to? Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. But if I cast out devils by what? The Spirit of God. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so it's the finger of God was the Spirit of God. And so he was doing these, these signs and wonders, proving who he was, that he was the Son of God. That's what these, these things were, were, was to prove who he was. That's why God was gave him that, that baptism of the Holy Spirit and that he was able to um, confirm his message and confirm who he was. Jesus cast out the demons by the finger of God, which is the Holy Spirit, in Luke chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devils was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He casted out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And so here they're seeing Jesus do this wonderful work. He's casting out these evil spirits. And then they're giving the credit to Beelzebub. They're not giving the credit to God. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 26, And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. And how should his kingdom stand? And so Jesus is arguing with him. He said if Satan is casting out Satan, he's divided. He's not united. But I'm doing this because God is trying to show that I am his son, the Christ, the living God. And why did Jesus do the miracles and signs? John chapter 5, verse 36. But I have a greater witness than that of John, John the Baptist, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And so he did these great, wonderful works. He healed people. He he, uh, fed the thousands. He was casting out evil spirits. In John chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? Thou be the the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered him and said, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And so the, the works that he was doing, those miraculous works through the Holy Spirit, were bearing witness that he was Jesus Christ. In John chapter 30, verses 30 and up, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you, what, might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And so the finger of God was was upon them because the kingdom was nigh. That was the message being preached at that time. It was repent because the kingdom was at nigh. The finger of God was the Holy Spirit And Jesus was was doing these great and wonderful things to prove who he was, and they denied it. Just as God worked those signs and wonders, the finger of God in the days of Moses, to prove to all of Egypt he was God, Jesus worked the miracles, the finger of God, to prove he was the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost should not be forgiven on the men. And so what were they doing? They were blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Here he is doing these wonderful works, casting out these evil spirits, and they're not giving God the credit. They're giving the um, Beelzebub the credit, the devil the credit. And so that's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost because they were seeing true uh, miracles being performed, and they were saying that it wasn't of God but of the devil. And so that's what blasphemy against the Holy Ghost was. And so they were they were witnessing those true miracles, and they were giving credit to Satan and not God. And then, what about the law of Christ? What did God say about the law of Christ? In Hebrews chapter ten, verse sixteen, the writer writes, "This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them." And so here we're seeing that the that God's going to write the law, into our, our spiritual heart, our mind? How is one going to have the new covenant, the law of Christ, written in their heart? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul writing to the young preacher Timothy, he says, Study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing what? The word of truth. And so we have to study in order to have that, that word engrafted in our mind. And how did we get the word of truth? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is proper for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Well, when he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and they had gotten that those uh, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit um, helped these men write these books. And so the New Testament was written With inspiration of God, but even the Old Testament was written by inspiration of God. It says all scripture. And so it's through the Holy Spirit that we get the Word of God. And how did men receive this inspiration of God? Second Peter chapter one, verses twenty and twenty-one, Peter writes, Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man. And so in the Old Testament it wasn't by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by what? The Holy Ghost. And so we have the Old Testament. We have proof here that it was written by the Holy Ghost. The New Testament, we just read that the, all scripture is given by the inspiration of in God. It was too written by the Holy Ghost. They, through the Holy Ghost, men wrote the word of God. The old law was written by God, the finger of God. The new law would be written by the finger of God, that is by the Holy Spirit. And then there was fingers in the New Testament. And Jesus used his fingers to condemn some on that one day. In John chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again unto the, into the temple. And all the people came unto him and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, when they had set her in the midst. And so she was taken in the very act of adultery. And the scribes and the Pharisees are bringing her forth in between Jesus and all those disciples that are sitting with him. And they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And so there was no doubt what she was doing. They, they caught her in the act, in the very act. Verse 5, Now Moses in the law command, commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And so here they're, they're trying to tempt Jesus. And they're like, this woman was caught in adultery? The law says we should stone her. What do you say? In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, And the man that committed adultery with another man's wife, even he that committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulterer shall surely be put to death. So where was the man? All we're seeing here is they brought the lady forth. And so they weren't even trying to be uh, trying to do the law of Moses. They were, they were just trying to tempt Jesus. Where was the man at? John chapter 8, verse 6. This they say tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And so here Jesus is. He stoops down to the ground and he's using his finger to write in the sand. It doesn't let us know what he's writing. But listen to the wisdom in his words following. Well, Daniel chapter 5, verse 26. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Remember, that's what was written on the wall by, the, by God. Their temptation will be short-lived. He's sitting there writing on a thing, and he's gonna, their temptation that they're, they're trying to bring towards him is going to be short-lived. In John chapter 8, verse 7, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And so what did he say? He said, Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances or found wanting. They were not righteous men. They did not, truly were not trying to do the law of Moses because the man was not present. They were being hypocrites. They were were weighed in the balances and they were found not righteous. And so he's telling them, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone at this lady. They were hypocritically judging her. John chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, being convicted by what? Their own conscience. Went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And so here they have self-convicted themselves through that writing on the ground and by the wisdom of Jesus. He just spoke to them and said, He without sin cast the first stone. When Jesus had lifted himself up himself, up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? In Daniel chapter 5, verse 28, Peres, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Not one of them were left because of the beam in their own eyes. In John chapter 8, verse 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus told her to repent. We do not know what Jesus wrote on the ground. However, we know what he said condemned the unrighteous. Just as Belshazzar was condemned by the writing on the wall with the finger of God, that he was lifted himself up and he did not believe in the true uh, living God. And so here's these Pharisees, these religious leaders in that day, but they were hypocrites. Jesus was always, O ye hypocrites, O ye hypocrites, they never wanted to truly do the law of God. <clears throat> they just wanted to elevate themselves and think highly of themselves just as Belshazzar had lifted himself with, with pride. And then the third point is the law must be taught. The law must be taught. In Exodus chapter 24 verse 12, and the Lord said unto Moses, come unto me in the mount and be there and I will give thee tables of stones and a law and command which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Well, what have we been commanded to do? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so just as Moses was to teach the law of Moses to his people, he was to teach that old law, we are to go forth and once we have the law inscribed in our, our hearts, we are to go and teach the lost. How do we teach today? In Colossians chapter one verse twenty three, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, so you have to be you have to continue therein in the faith, and be not moved away from what? The hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is our hope for eternal life, that res that day of resurrection, which we have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof. I, Paul, and made a minister. And so he preached the word of God. They had heard the word of God. They had obeyed. He's talking to the church at Colossae. He, they had obeyed the word of God. And now he's telling them to continue in the faith grounded and settled. It's by preaching. That's how we would to teach today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, For after that the wisdom of God, the word by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by what? The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so it's the wisdom of God. He has used preaching to save them that will believe. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, Paul writing to the church at Rome, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we're, we're told whoever will obey the Lord will be saved. Well, how will we know what to do or what to obey? How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how should I believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how should I hear without a preacher? And so it's our duty as Christians to go out to the world to teach and preach the gospel of Christ. And what is one to preach? 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse two. we're to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. We preach it when they like it, they, we preach it when they don't. we reprove with it, we rebuke with it, we exhort with all long-suffering and what doctrine. This is the only place that we can get our doctrine that we go by. The things that we do in the worship service has to come from the word of God. And so tonight, if there's any here today that have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, we extend that invitation, the same one that's been almost 2,000 years. And that starts by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. John 20, uh, 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly to Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that He is the Christ, the Son of God. Then you must repent of your sins. That is to have a change of heart that produces a change of life. Luke 13, 3 and 5. Jesus says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then you must confess before men that He is the Son of God. Just as the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8 verse 37. That is the, the, the confession made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness and with the mouth Confession is made unto salvation. And so you're headed in the right direction. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, placing you into Christ, Galatians 3.26 and 27. And then just as Paul had told them to stand fast in what they had received, heard, and believed, we too are to remain faithful until death, Revelation 2.10. And so if there's any that perhaps you have obeyed, but you have... uh, Stumbled along the way, and you need the church to pray for you. We ask that you come together. If we can help you in either way, as together we stand and sing the song of invitation.